0: Well, are you ready to go forward? Yes. All right. Hey, as we start the new year out, there is a uh, familiar uh, picture that you may have seen. This one comes out of Saturday Night Post, uh, but it appears in other kinds of magazines. And in fact, uh, it goes way, way, way back. The different forms of this idea exist in even the ancient cultures. It's this uh, more modern uh, picture of uh, Father Time. And uh, you know we're about to leave 23 and enter into 24 in a matter of hours. And the idea here is that uh, Father Time has uh, grown older uh, over the year, hence the uh, hourglass down here that reminds us that you know, time is just passing by uh, ever so quickly. And then the skiff up here, uh, also symbolizes the fact that life comes to an end. Our time on earth is, is very short. And then we have uh, baby New Year. Isn't he cute? Uh, he ages very, very quickly, by the way. Uh, but it's being handed off to him. And he'll start out 2024, and then, you know, in 365 days, he'll look like that and uh, he'll pass it on to the next uh, baby new year who will then you know take things forward and the idea is this this just never ends it just goes on and on and on the cycle of of time as it passes by and as i said this whole idea of father time uh, has been around for a long long time even in the ancient cultures and it's just kind of our way of recognizing that One period of time has ended, and we're about to start kind of a new uh, period of time. And if it was only that simple, right? If it was only a matter of leaving everything that has happened in the past behind, and starting fresh, and starting over as though everything were brand new. But we know that's not how life works. We know that the reality is uh, we have a tendency to take what's happened in the past and bring it forward into the future, not just the past year but oftentimes our whole past life and in many ways some of us kind of go through life with a ball and chain so to speak uh, anchored to our our leg and we kind of go like this into the new year dragging with us past hurts and past regrets and the problem with that is if i had this weight behind me if my past hurts and my past regrets many of us then look to the future and we anticipate more hurt and more regret. We get nervous, we're anxious, we're worried about what is ahead of us. And if, and if that's how you are and that's how a lot of people are these days, I've got this stuff in my past, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, I fear for the future, then it's it's just hard. It makes life hard, right? You feel stressed, you feel tense uh, all the time. I was reading and Gallup does this annual state of the nation kind of survey. And what they try to do is figure out, you know, what's the mood of America uh, as, we, as we move into the future? And they just, they just did it. And uh, the mood that they came up with for 2024, this is kind of the mood of Americans today, is glum. And that's uh, yeah, not a word that you hear very often, right? I, I doubt any of you have used it lately to talk about how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm feeling glum today. I mean, nowadays, people wonder what that means, so I thought I'll, I'll look it up just to be sure. I think I know what it means, but let me just make sure. Uh, the word glum, from which obviously we get gloom, uh, means, uh, first of all, to be low in spirits, right? It means to feel disheartened, it means to feel dejected. So think about that with me for just a minute. Most Americans heading into New Year are feeling low-spirited, are feeling disheartened and dejected. I think I read somewhere that only about 18% of Americans feel like we're headed in a good direction. That's really sad. That's a really sad place to be. And for followers of Christ, if you are, and I trust many of you are, that just shouldn't be our perspective. We should not be glum people. Despite what may be happening in our personal lives or happening in our nation, our whole attitude, our whole perspective should be so much different, but oftentimes it's not. So what I wanna do on this weekend is I wanna share with you four biblical principles. I could share with you 20, I could share with you 30. There's so much truth in scripture, but I just wanna pull out four. And I want you to know that the, the passages I'll give you in just a few minutes and are, are passages that I didn't pull out of context. That is, I, I wanna challenge you to read the passages around it, so you get the full picture. We don't have time to do that. But uh, they really speak to some practical things that you and I can do to actually leave our past behind and actually embrace the future that God has for us. And even if it's an uncertain future, and even if there's some uh, unhappy and, un- <clears throat> excuse me, some unpleasant surprises down the road for you, I want you to know that if we'll follow God's word, we can actually have a sense of, of confidence and hope, no matter what the world might be like. So, we're going to jump uh, right, right into this, and here's our very first principle. <clears throat> say it with me. Let go of the past because you can. That's pretty profound, isn't it? That was a joke. <clears throat> All right. Let's say it one more time. Ready? Let go of the past because you can right? It's like, duh, right? Okay, I can. But the, but the truth is, a lot, of us, a lot of us don't. A lot of us believe this lie spoken by our minds, which are not perfect. We have imperfect minds affected by sin, affected by the world, affected by logarithms, right, on Facebook or wherever it is, uh, that oftentimes tell us things that aren't true, but we believe what they tell us. And some of us believe this voice in our head that tells us we cannot, we cannot get rid of our past. We can't let go of our pain. We can't let go of our hurts and our regrets. And that comes from a conscience that's corrupt. And a lot of times I find that Christians uh, will confuse their conscience with God. And you, and you have to be really careful of that because your conscience is not God. Your conscience is, is your own mind, all right? And it's influenced by all kinds of things. The way you were brought up, it's influenced by TikTok. It's influenced by your peers. It's influenced by what you watch, what you see. It can be influenced by God's word, but not always. So, you know, wherever my conscience is talking to me, I've got to ask myself, is that true or not? Because my conscience doesn't always speak truth. My mind doesn't always speak truth to me. So I have to ask myself, is this what God says or is this what an imperfect conscience is trying to tell me? So I have to stop listening to my own voice. I gotta stop listening to the invisible enemy's voice that's out there. And you know, the enemy uses the voices of so many things and so many people. I've got to stop listening to the voice of people in general when they don't say things to me that align with God's word or align with the truth. So I've got to stop letting my mind try to control me. And in a moment, I want to share with you a passage of scripture that can help with that. But I wanna talk for a moment about the Apostle Paul. You know, a lot of us hold up Paul, and we should. He was a great Apostle, wasn't perfect, but he was a great man that God greatly used. But you know, Paul had a past, and it was not a good past. If you think your past was dark, his was way darker. If you look back at the life of Paul, you read about what he was like before he came to know Christ, you'll discover that he was a very proud individual. You know, they say the height of pride is when you take somebody else's life. Because in essence, what you're doing at that moment is you're deciding that their life isn't worth anything, and who are you to play God and decide that? Paul was a man who was filled with pride. He was self-righteous, he thought, you know, he, he was a perfectionist, he dotted the I's, he crossed the T's, and he had no problem persecuting and killing Christians until Jesus ambushed him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine. And he discovered that Jesus was true and Jesus was real, and it radically transformed his life. And he became a very different person. But you know what happened? If you look at the life of Paul, Paul would have gone from pride to shame to deliverance. There's a passage in Scripture in Galatians chapter 1 where Paul talks about his past, and he says this. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God. How? violently right violently and tried to destroy it wow i mean that's like trying to that's like that's like crucifying jesus and i just think you know paul was a human like the rest of us i i just had to think on those journeys that he took when he walked hundreds and, and, and walked thousands of miles on his three missionary journeys. There had to be moments when the enemy just brought his past back to him. There had to be moments when other people brought his past back to him and accused him and said, you, you know, you're so proud. You, you, were a, you were a murderer. You were a killer. You tried to destroy the church. Who do you think you are now trying to tell people about Christ? You don't deserve this role. You don't deserve this position. You're not even going to make it to heaven. I can I can imagine those voices. And all of us have those voices in in our lives at times that remind us of how sinful we have been or how sinful we are. And we become imprisoned by those voices. How did Paul deal with that? How did he deal with this past? Well, Paul wrote a letter to uh, some people in a place called Philippi. And uh, the whole letter, it's called the Book of Philippians, the New Testament, is all about finding joy in your relationship with Christ despite your circumstances. And you know, one of the things that robs us of our joy is our past, right? Things that we have done or things that we, you know, that have been done to us can ruin our past. But I want you to know, I want you to see what Paul says. And this is the passage I hope you meditate on later on this week. It's found in Philippians chapter three. And Paul says this. He says, but one thing I do. There you are know, a lot of things you can do, right? But Paul says, you know, when it comes to the past, There's just this one thing that I do, okay? He says, forgetting what is behind. I like that. Forgetting what's behind, forgetting what's in the past. Then I think of an athlete stretching for the tape, straining toward what is ahead, leaving 23, straining toward what is ahead in 24. I press on, but look what he says, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the prize that Paul is talking about in this passage of scripture? The prize is Christ himself. It's like Paul has this vision of Jesus standing at the end of the finish line, waiting for him to cross the tape. And he says, he says my whole goal in life is just meet him at the finish line. And I would suggest to you that we need to have the same attitude as Paul. We need to let go and forget the past and strain toward the future, toward our prize. And our, you know, here's a great question. What do we prize in the future? I was thinking about that earlier today in my own quiet time. We get that kind of messed up, don't we? Sometimes we prize a career. We prize money. We prize retirement. We prize notoriety. We prize good health, and we, 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 we can prize a lot of the wrong things. Paul says, all I prize is Christ at the end. And that's, that's what I'm straining towards. That's what I'm seeking to do. See, in essence, what Paul was saying is this, I refuse to allow my past to define my future. You've heard that before, right? Don't let your past define your future and unfortunately a lot of us do that not we don't simply do that by what we tell ourselves but listen carefully i didn't say this in the last service but just comes to my mind now so perhaps somebody needs to hear this oftentimes what we tell ourselves is a result of what people have told us about ourselves so then a lot of times what i'm telling myself about myself is the result of all the things I heard from my peers or my coaches or my teachers or my parents or from social media or whatever. And if it's been negative, right, then I carry this message forward about myself in a very negative way. So I refuse. Paul says, I refuse to define my future by my past. And you ought to refuse to define your future by your past, whatever your past might be. So let's look at three passages of Scripture that can help us. First one is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Would you read it aloud with me? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I love that. If I have a relationship with Christ, whatever's happened in the past, it's gone, it's erased, it's forgiven. It's like God forgets it and doesn't bring it up again. I like that He says, the old is gone. Accept that. The old is gone. The new is here. The question is, will I embrace the new? It's a choice. I can embrace it or I can let it go. Or I like this passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians 4. I've preached on this before. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So here's what Paul means by that. Again, you have to read the whole context. What he's saying, in essence, is this. I don't care what you think about me. I don't even care what I think about myself, because sometimes I don't think very well about myself. All that matters is what Jesus thinks about me. And what does he think about me? He loves me. He's forgiven me. He's healed me. He's reconciled me. He's redeemed me. I could go on and on, all the awesome things he's done for me. I can't wait for our next sermon series. I've been working on it already. I hope you'll be here next weekend because we're going to take a journey. We, we say through Mark, but really it's a journey with Jesus. We're going to walk with Jesus as though like he's here in the flesh. We're walking with him, except he's in our hearts. We're going to walk with him in the spirit. And I'm going to challenge you to let him, as I'm asking him to do, change my life. We're going to walk with Jesus through 2024, and see what happens, how He speaks to us. And, and next weekend, I, I'm so excited about it because there's some things we're going to learn next weekend that are just going to blow your socks off. So make sure you have them on tight. All right, <laughs> have them on tight. All right. Next passage, Paul says, "God made Him who had no sin—that's Jesus, right—to be sin for us. That is, He took He took my sin on Himself." so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's like this exchange happened. Jesus says, give me your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. Do you know what that means? If I really believe that, that means he actually gives me a new past. Because he takes my old past away from me. So I can go into a new year because I have a new past. It's it's as though I've never done anything wrong. I never had a bad past. He's taken that from me. That's why I say it's a choice. Let the past go because you can. And the question is, do you want to let your past go? Second principle, here it is. Throw off all your mo- all your worries onto God. Throw off all your worries onto God. Paul, uh, not Paul, but Peter wrote a couple little letters to believers, like you and me, who were being persecuted in what was called Asia Minor, what we know of today as modern Turkey. They were facing all kinds of fears and, and all kinds of worries and all kinds of challenges and difficulties. It was scary, it was hard for them. And Peter could have said a lot of things and he does in that little letter, and so I hope you'll read the context of this verse I'm about to give you. But I love, I love this verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Say it with me. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I could have put on here, because you can, but I didn't. Be, but it's true, because you can. You can either keep him or you can give them. So let's break this down, uh, verse down for a little bit. Uh, let's take that word cast for a moment. What does that mean? So I did a little word search on this in, in the Greek and you know, what does this word to cast really mean? And it means, it, it means to do something deliberately and decisively. It means to literally throw something. So imagine a, a fisherman, like in the days of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Imagine Peter. He probably had this in his mind. Taking his net. He's in the boat. He's got a hold of it. And then he decisively and deliberately, boom, throws it into the water to catch the fish. And Peter's saying, you need to decisively and deliberately take your what? Take your anxiety. So I thought, well, what does he mean by anxiety? So I looked that word up and it was what I thought and then there was a new idea I hadn't thought of that came out of the original Greek that's used here. The word anxiety means to worry, I I kind of figured that. It means fear, I figured that. But it also means that which preoccupies the mind. And oftentimes, what preoccupies our mind are troubling things. And Peter's saying, take the things that preoccupy your mind and throw them at. The question is, throw them at who? And so I thought, instead of just talking about it, I demonstrated. So I've asked uh, Pastor Adam if he would join me up here. And um, I don't know if you know this about uh, Adam or not, but he has a a, a background in, in theater and acting. So I said... Adam I said, would you mind playing the part of God and um, he said he'd be happy to but I reminded him just for now that's trying to be funny but that was good. I'm not I'm not quite there all right so he's gonna he's gonna play the part of God and and here I have Marsha, my wife let me borrow one of our Christmas uh, it's called a throw blanket right all right it's a throw blanket okay I'm really astute, aren't I? All right, so I want you to imagine that this, this blanket represents the worries, the anxiety. All right, so, so what are the things that are preoccupying your mind right now? I, I can think of a lot of things that, that are on my mind that I'm guessing are on your mind too. Uh, for instance, I think a lot of us are preoccupied with the upcoming election year, right? What's going to happen? I think a lot of us are, are preoccupied with the economy, especially as it impacts your life or, or my life. I think a lot of us are preoccupied with health concerns that, that we have going on in our lives or, or the lives of people we love and care about. I, I think a lot of us are, are preoccupied by relational challenges. You know, Perhaps you know, a, a struggling marriage or maybe you have kids who are you know, spiritually AWOL or other things that are going on. I, I think some of us are, are preoccupied um, with you know what's happening in in society you know social changes that are happening some of us are preoccupied with big questions or big decisions that we have to make and you know pretty soon that just gets really heavy right not to mention you know any issues personally that are going on guilt or shame or 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 sins that you refuse to let go of you're carrying forward and it just gets really heavy and what peter is saying is look he's saying take that take that blanket of worry and he's saying heave it, throw it decisively to God and let him have it. And then he says, cast your cares or your anxieties or your worries on him and then Adam's going to put his arm around me because he cares for you. So the idea is, I'll take back my worries but just momentarily, All right. The idea is I can either do this, go through life like this with this load or I can Give that load to God and go through life like this. Which way would you rather go through life? I'd rather go through life like this. Thank you, Adam. I'll let you keep those worries. <laughs> so I have, um, I have two ideas for you that I wanted to share as I was thinking about how can we make this really practical? Now, I am going to assume that at least once a week, uh, you're all going to take a bath or a shower, all right? Hopefully more often than that, but at least once a week, all right? And you will towel off, you will dry off. So here's one idea for you. And this could really work. Because you, you, know, you, you have to do things in your mind that, that are habitual, that, that make your mind flex a bit, like a muscle. I want to challenge you that the next time you shower or bathe, or every time you shower or bathe, before you throw that, that dirty towel in the hamper or throw it up on the hook to dry off to use again, that you hold it and transfer it spiritually through a prayer all the cares that you're carrying already that day. Whatever it is, just, just prayerfully give it to that towel. Just lay it on that towel. And then, as you throw that towel in the hamper or throw it up on the hook, just in your mind, say, God, it's yours. And as you walk away clean from your bath or your shower, walk away clean and clear of your worries and your fears. And you got to do it every day. got to do it every day. That's one idea. Second idea is I want to encourage you to prayerfully and sensitively think about how you could come alongside somebody else and help them with their worries and their fears. So here's an idea. If it's appropriate, and I emphasize that word, if it's appropriate, and you see someone or know somebody in your family, at work, or wherever it is, and it's appropriate, just put your hand on their shoulder or put your arm around them and just let them, just let them know that, that you care about them and be, be willing to pray and help them because sometimes people need us to help them give over their worries and their cares. But again, not everybody wants to be touched, so you have to be careful with that. And you don't want to be inappropriate. But if you have a relationship, if you know that person well enough, they would allow you to do that, then just pray over them and bring, bring God's arm around them. We can do that, can't we? And that would be a beautiful thing. All right, third principle embrace God's unfailing love and mercies in hard times. Say it with me embrace God's unfailing love and mercies in hard times. There's a book in the Bible that very few of us uh, spend time reading. It is called the Book of Lamentations. And I think the reason we don't like reading it is just the sound of it, right? Lamentations, lamenting. But it was written by the prophet Jeremiah, and it was written after Jerusalem had been absolutely destroyed and demolished by Nebuchadnezzar and his forces. God's people had been so rebellious against God He had sent prophet after prophet to speak to them, to confront them, to get them to turn around, and they absolutely refused. And the Bible tells us that God disciplines those whom he loves. And so finally God, you know, it's like God has no other choice. You have forced me. I'm just going to come in and take away what you have so that you finally, you finally look at me and I can get your attention. So Nebuchadnezzar comes in and just destroys the place. And he takes away some of the brightest and their best back to Babylon to train them to be good Babylonians, like Ezekiel or like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and others. And so Jeremiah sits down and he writes out his laments, his personal laments, and he writes out the laments of his people. And so here's another passage that you can study later on in its context, but it's in Lamentations chapter three. And, and uh, Jeremiah writes and says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. That's hard to read sometimes, isn't it? Jeremiah is just being honest. And I want you to know something God is not afraid of our honesty. It is okay to tell God when you're hurting, it's okay to tell God when you disagree. It's okay to say to God something like, I don't like how you're doing this. I don't like that you're allowing this. Teach me how to accept it. It's okay to be honest with God. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's glum, wasn't he? Right? But I love this. These little words are so important. He says, Yet, in the midst of all this, yet, this I call to mind. Notice, this is an action. It's called neuroplasticity, if you want to get scientific about it. It says, yet, this I call to mind. Yet, I'm going to change my mind. And to do it, I have to actually call something to attention. He says, yet, this I call to mind, and therefore, I have hope. So, what's he talking about? He goes on, he tells us, because of the Lord's great love. He goes, okay, God's great love still exists. We are not consumed. I mean, God could have destroyed us and wiped us off the map and it'd be all over with, but he did not consume us. For his compassions never fail, they are new every morning. There's hope, there's a chance. Great is your faithfulness. I remember, God, you made a covenant with your people, which, by the way, I still believe exists today with the Jewish people. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And that's the hardest thing to do sometimes, isn't it, is to wait for God. I want you to notice a play on words here, okay? Teach a little Hebrew here. Go back to the passage of Scripture. I think it's like about verse 22 He says, because of the Lord's great love, he says, we are not consumed, okay? That is the Hebrew word tamu. Say it with me, tamu, okay? Oops, that didn't help, that didn't help either, tamu, okay? Now watch what happens. He says, for his compassions never, guess what word he uses here, tamu. Now think about this. Here's what he's saying. Jeremiah is saying, listen. Because the Lord's great love, we are not tamu. We are not consumed. We're not totally uh, uh, disintegrated. We're not totally removed. Like the Jewish people don't exist anymore. We're not totally consumed. He says, why is that? He says, because his compassions never tamu. Because his compassions never cease. They don't go away. That's the beautiful thing about God, isn't it? Though he may have to judge, though he may have to deal severely, the reality is his love is greater. It never fails. It never ceases. It never ends. It never gives up. And that speaks to us in two ways. One is personal and the other is prophetic. So bear with me for a moment. Personally, what that means is this. It means that no matter what I have done in my past, Yesterday, or a year ago, or 10 years ago, no matter how heinous it may seem, how evil it might be, listen, every day God shows up with mercy and forgiveness. I can have a new day start. Don't forget that. And when you're dealing with people that you want to have vengeance with, that you want to get even with, remind yourself, remind yourself what God has done for you. Be willing to do the same for them. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. Otherwise, I consume God's grace and compassion, but I don't show it to somebody else. Prophetically, though, think about what this means. You know, God had to judge his people, he had to judge that nation. And a lot of innocent people, so to speak, suffered as a consequence of that. I think it's John Calvin, who said that when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. What that simply means is he gives them the kind of rulers they want. And when you rule, whether it's your family or whether it's a nation, when you rule without God or with disregard towards God, you suffer consequences because you go against the truth. That's why we're in the mess we're in today in our society. We've decided to go a different way, and it just bears natural, grim consequences. The problem we have with that is this. We all get affected by it, all of us. Because we live in a sinful world. And rather than getting focused and bitter about having to live in this world and what happens to us because of the kind of world it is, every day I need to remind myself great is God's faithfulness. Every day I remind myself great is his compassion. Every day I must remind myself great is his mercy. And listen, the only reason he left you and me here is that in this miserable world, our job is to remind people and show people that faithfulness, that mercy, and that love. Otherwise, it's a hopeless world. That's why Daniel was left. That's why Ezekiel was left. That's why many that aren't even mentioned scriptures were left to bear witness to God's faithfulness, God's compassion, God's mercy. Last principle. Yeah, hurry up. Actively seek God's guidance on a daily basis. And I'm going to put the word. It's a Hebrew word. What's that spell? Duh. Right? You know that. Right? You know that. But how often we fail to do it. Here's a passage for you to meditate on, Proverbs 3, five through seven. We quote it all the time, but do we live by it? Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord. And shun evil. I'm not going to say anything more about that verse. You've just got to do it. Lean on God. Trust in him completely. Let him through his word and his spirit guide your path. And you'll get to this year. And you'll find strength in this year and you'll be encouraged in this year and God will take you maybe in a direction that's a little scary maybe you're uncertain about it but you're gonna trust him like you do Siri on your phones when you ask her to take you someplace And she's not always right I'm convinced of that but God is always right and he'll take you to the right place so so what did we learn today four simple principles number one We need to let go of the past because we can. Say it with me, let go of the past because you can. Number two, throw off your worries onto God. Say it with me, throw off your worries onto God. Number three, embrace God's unfailing love and mercies in hard times. Embrace God's unfailing love and mercies in hard times. Finally, say it with me, actively seek God's guidance on a daily basis actively seek God's guidance on a daily basis. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I'd like you on your laps for a moment just to close your hands like you have two fists and rest them on your lap. And I want you to imagine that in your fists, those clasped hands, that fist, are your worries, are your fears, are your regrets, are your hurts. your past. It's all the stuff. You and I have a choice today. We can take it with us into 2024 or we can leave it behind and honestly and sincerely move forward with God. That's why we're going to do this series in Mark. What do you want to do with your life? It's a decision you can make. Lord, we sit, we stand here with our fists closed, imagining that inside are all those things that we hold in tension, that weigh us down, that worry us, that scare us, that we drag around with us, oh God. Lord, this morning we want to open our hands and let it go. If you're willing to do that right now where you are, just open your hands and just give it to God. Just give it to him. Lord, here's that person Lord, here's that situation. Lord, here's this decision. Here's this health issue. Here's this challenge I'm facing. Here's this fear. Give it to you, God. Just give it to you. I want to trust you this year, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. I want to trust you this year, Lord. Your mercies never fail. I want to trust you this year, Lord your love never ceases I want to trust you Lord the old is past the now is now here walk me through this year I pray in Jesus name amen